Welcome to the Edutech Me podcast. Hanging out with myself, Ben Newsom, and Carrie Benedett and Suzette Bailey. We're all here having a bit of a chat around how AI can improve construction. Yes, construction, wood, timber, metal, tools, things that happen on massive work sites, lots of moving parts, lots of reports, lots of data loss. Or could it be? Ooh. This is an interesting side of things, isn't it, Carrie? Well, you know what just came up for me, Ben? I'm thinking when we you, you go to the news at night or during the day and what always comes up is where where there's where there's accidents accidents um deaths um construction isn't quite right so if there was some data on safety safety yeah. and then the risk risk um factors around safety and and what you have to do that would be super super helpful i i would think because loss of life is 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 hugely traumatic and um um, and for any large corporation or any builder, any business or any person working there um, on the it's, it's emotionally affects them emotionally as well, doesn't it? But I'm sure that there's uh, so much use um, of AI for other, other things as well. Some good stuff. But a lot of that data is already captured. I think the, the, the value of the AI in this is isn't so much in that side of it. I think it's more in being able to provide a real time um and contextualized version of why it actually matters to the people on the on the construction site. So you've got this situation where they, you know, people have been tracking how many deaths or how many injuries and all those mm. sort of things. But there's a bit of a disconnect between what does that really mean in regards to changes in processes and things. So or, or actual safety on the on the on the site. So I think having this ability to have a very quick analysis of something that happens and being able to make a better judge, you know, providing somebody on the ground yep. better information so that they're not relying on their experience and their knowledge, which, I mean, from what I can understand, this is an industry that does that a lot with people who have been in it for decades. Uh, this is a great way to transition them off that and starting to use the data that you mentioned, Kerry. Well, I mean, if if we could bring together the gut, the gut, our intuition, and and the stats, um, it brings brings more uh, brings more of a robust um, environment to look at, doesn't it? And information that we we can get into use. So it's a, it's going to be a plus as far as I can work out. Yeah. Oh, what do you think, Ben? Well, the tacit knowledge that exists in machinery, um, engineering. I mean, have you ever watched some of the people who've just been working in the industry for like 30 years and they just have these little hacks that they've almost self-taught <laughs> or they've worked themselves or they've someone else has um, shown them. So it's passed down from bygone era. It's not in the manuals, but it just bloody well works. <laughs> it, you know, it's grabbing those sort of things. It's like, um, I mean, this doesn't necessarily have to be uh, work with skilled labor with your hands. This can also be um, skilled labor with your mind too. I mean, as you watch people uh, working in whether it's in accounting firms or even teaching or whatever, actually more the humanist side, teaching, nursing, that sort of thing. There are certain mm. ways that experienced um, people know how to work with people much better. Than, that's true. <laughs> than the younger ones. Um, and that's just by, and there's, there's nowhere out. There's, you can only fail forward. And so I kind of think about on the construction side, I mean, yes, you can follow what you learn at college and that's going to be by the book, but there's always that hack that people learn on the ground that mm. makes it faster and safer. But well, how do you actually pass it on? I mean, this is, mm. you know, in, we 
have had a lot of huge amounts of innovations uh, to improve safety on construction sites. Yet people are still, you know, you've still got people who have been on there for decades that may actually be making decisions based on information. Oh, you know, this is how we've always done it. Yeah. And, and finding some way to transition them to be able to see, actually, there is a better way. Here's the data because they're not used to doing it that way. And they're not going to be somebody who goes and looks at the data and reads it and all that sort of thing. They're, they're people who, you know, hands-on, literally hands-on people. So being able to provide it to them quickly, but in a way that they're going to be able to consume it and understand it easily, I think is critical in this area. Yeah, I actually just thinking just um, one of the reasons checklists exist now on planes mm. for mm. pilots was to reduce gut instinct and yep. going with the data. <laughs> How to keep them in the sky? Because gut instinct comes from that emotional side of us. That you know, so we, you know, we we need to have strong emotional reasoning ability. That's one of our, you know, one of our key skills that we have in decision making. But we have to take in, we have to be aware of the emotional data, but also the technical data, and then be able to put that together for the best solution. So you actually have to remove yourself from, you know, from the emotional stuff to look at what's the best result here. Well, I don't you think about it, though, that it's emotional because I think the gut is actually a factor of um, the knowledge of the individual, but it's just it's based on that person's knowledge, which could be out of date. It can be biased. Um, it, there's yep. a whole range of things. So I don't think it's necessarily emotional, which it can in, a, in particular individuals. So, like, I, I'll make a decision on things if I, you know, when I go with my gut, I'm actually, I know it's my subconscious having processed a lot of information and giving me mm -hmm. a good um, result or, or the best result it thinks based <laughs> on the information that I've got. It's not an emotive response, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I've got the best source of data. True, yeah. but you've considered the the emotional stuff has been considered with all the other. That's and I think that's the most important thing here. And that's why we get the the lists and the procedures and the processes and yeah. Well, the beauty about what AI does is because it does handle big data. And you think about the number of reports that go in, near misses, failure to meet deadlines, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And sometimes we can't connect the dots because frankly, there's just too many dots. <laughs> there's too much happening and so AI is really good at pattern recognition and yeah. so if we look at the number of near misses in various different ways perhaps we need to be buying a different version of tool or, or be adopting a new procedure yeah. might be helpful or maybe why are we always late three days late we always do this particular job but we're always three days late but we don't know why <laughs> and then yeah. might actually find the nexus point that we're all missing yeah, so time efficiencies come into that as well. Cost, I mean, it's budget, it's budget and costs and coming in ahead of schedule that um, is very attractive to organisations and businesses, right? Government, whoever's do, doing things. The other thing with all this, though, is that I, um, the AI is really good, as you say, there's so many points, we can't always pick them up. Uh, I'm making correlation between things that we as humans probably don't have, um, we, we sort of shrug it off or we don't necessarily think that there is a correlation. I mean, I think in a previous episode, Ben, you mentioned about people picking up Parkinson's from breathing. How would you even know to even look for that much? Right. Easier, you know, and it's being, but it's because you're actually processing large amounts of data 
things like that, the correlations that seem seemingly weird and not related at all. I mean, even that particular episode where we did like really random correlations. Curious ones, yes. Curious <laughs> ones. The reality, the thing is though, is it really spurious? I mean, because AI, there may actually, and there's been shown to be correlations between things which seemingly random, but in fact, actually, once they've traced it back and worked through, in some of these cases, there's actually a real reason for it happening. And I think that AI is really good at picking up those nuances and picking up things where there's a problem that people don't even realize that, the, you know, this problem, over, this thing over here is actually causing it. We're trying That's to right. solve it over mm. here, but we really need to, and it's only because we've actually got this big view, you know, the AI going across all the data that it goes, hang on a second, you should be looking at these two things together maybe. This is true. And actually, if you're curious, you, way back a few episodes back is when we did do spurious correlations and we just sort of had a bit of fun with this. There's a very old website by Tyler Weigand, uh, who looked at these spurious correlations. And I've got one in front of me just for fun. And I don't think there is causation, but here we go. Per capita cheese consumption actually correlates incredibly highly at 94.71%. Per capita cheese consumption correlates with the number of people who die by becoming tangled in their bedsheets. <laughs> so... <laughs> of all things so yes it's kind of like i suppose we have to then apply human logic over the top of the ai it might <laughs> take these data points together and we go is this real <laughs> so. I mean, the thing that comes to mind with that 94 percent. i mean that is starting to get into the statistically um significant highly <laughs> maybe it is the fact that the person they ate too much cheese they get twisted up or something and then are all bloated. <laughs> bloated and mobile while and moving around a lot more at night time, get twisted bed sheets. Or, or they, they, they have a, 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 a undiagnosed allergy and reaction, like a threatening reaction to a mould used in the cheese that shuts down major organs, paralyzes them in bed, but they're already rumbling around um, strangulate, strangulating themselves. Yeah, that, probably wouldn't be, that would be a subset. You wouldn't have 94% of them having that kind of reaction. Well, that's, yeah. that's another correlation. So the thing about this is that that's sort of how it works. It's this causes this, causes this, causes this, causes this to finally this. Um, Kind of amusing, which means that if this was actually true, perhaps if you're selling cheese, perhaps send a new set of bed sheets that are slippery and don't allow you to tangle up in them. Anyway, that's you're a side sleeping thing. Bag. <laughs> sleeping bag. So as usual, we've enjoyed having a bit of a chat and we've gone down a cheese rabbit hole of all places to end a discussion on construction, but there you go. But the point is, is that there's a bucket load of data in large organizations. How we mine it? is up to us, but doesn't necessarily just have to be about us. We have these AI sentient things that can help us out. And, uh, and happening. who would have thought, Ben Newsom and Suzette Bailey, that um, there's humour in AI. You can actually have a really good laugh at, at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out for the cheese tonight. You've been listening to the Edgy Tech Me podcast. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Edgy Tech Me podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to get notified about new episodes.